Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Toucan Abroad podcast, where we have conversations with our alumni and professionals in the international education field about their experiences studying abroad and working in this dynamic field. I'm Abby Olabala, the program manager here at TEP, and I will be your host for today. It is my pleasure to introduce our guest today, Dr. Becky Rawlison. Dr. Rawlison is a lecturer for the Department of Agricultural Education and Communication at the University of Florida and has led, led several study abroad trips for her students to Belize and other destinations. Dr. Rawlison, thank you so much for taking the time to be on our show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's definitely our pleasure. So I just want to jump right into um, what we want to talk to you about today. So can you share with us a little bit more about you, the work you do at University of Florida, and how you began leading study abroad trips for your courses? Sure. So just a little bit of background about me as I actually received my bachelor's degree here at the University of Florida. Um, in agricultural communication, and then I received a master's degree in agricultural education, and I'm currently working on my PhD in agricultural communication. So I've always been interested in how agricultural issues and agricultural topics are communicated back to the consumers and the general public. So several years ago, back in 2015, one of my colleagues and I decided that we really wanted to expand this idea of communicating about issues, which is an undergraduate course that I teach here at the University of Florida. And we wanted to expand it and give it an international um, foundation. And so to do that, we partnered with Ron Dean there at Toucan Education Programs. And we were actually, uh, the program became highly recommended from another one of our colleagues, which was great. And it turned out to be such a great partnership that we ended up going back in 2017. And the objectives of our study abroad program was to allow students to explore those same issues in agricultural and life sciences that they were exploring here in Florida, but to explore them in a different place. And Belize was the perfect fit for us because the temperature and the environment is similar in a lot of ways. And so there are some similarities in the crops that were grown, but there were enough differences and it was a completely different place to give students a different perspective on those issues. Awesome, thank you. So why do you think it's important for agricultural courses to have an international component? And just to add another question to that, what are like key components that you need to have when developing a study abroad program in agriculture for your students? Well, you know, I have a personal passion for adding that international component to agricultural classes. Uh, and I think that personal component is the fact that I never went on a study abroad 20 years ago when I was an undergraduate or a, a master's student myself. And so I was missing that international perspective and being able to teach my students here and give them that international perspective really steps up my game and gives me an extra skill set. So in that, in doing that and going to Belize for that first time, it also allowed me to kind of get that perspective. So I thought, why not give this to the students? I mean, this is great for the students to be able to see that not all things are like they are in Florida or the United States and that some cultures handle things very differently, especially with regards to agriculture and how they grow their crops. Also, um, another reason I feel like it's so important is 
personally, I, I feel like a lot of students in the United States kind of take advantage of the fact that so much of our agriculture and our food is, is bought at a grocery store. Yeah. And there are a lot of students that who are even majoring and majors within the College of Agricultural and Life Sciences. And all they know is that they can go to Publix and buy a gallon of milk. And so they don't really think about other communities and how other communities have to feed themselves. So for me, it was really important to introduce them to an international component where we could go to Belize and we had a great program set up there with um, components where we could look at small farms and small communities who were doing great things in agriculture without all of that technology or how they were accessing things like in the United States, we have the extension service where they can access a lot of resources. Well, how do the farmers in Belize access resources or do they even have any? And those were some great critical thinking type questions that really allowed the students to see how things are done internationally in a different place and then allow them to reflect on why is United States agriculture like it is. Um, and in addition to that, you know, there was several components, not only looking at small farmers, but also looking at some larger, more corporate type farms. We visited an area there in Belize that was definitely more, it looked more like Iowa or more, or more like the Midwest here in the United States. And there was some big agriculture going on with more traditional farming methods. So being able to see that there is that large agricultural production, but also very small in some of the small, smaller, more rural communities in Belize. You know, that's really fascinating. And it fascinates me too, because I'm listening to you speaking about it. And I'm like, you know, and maybe this is like to grossly simplify things, but like we all eat. Do we ever really think about where our food comes from <laughs> that we do eat? other than we bought it at the grocery store or, you know, got it from a restaurant, or how other people in different cultures actually get their food, you know? I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting uh, thing to really think about. Absolutely. And, you know, here's one just very specific example. We, we have sweet potatoes in the United States, and there's certain areas in the United States where sweet potatoes are grown. But I remember visiting a small farmer there in Belize, and we walked onto their farm, and there's the whole family the wife, the grandmother, um, grand, you know, grandchildren, and they are all involved in the production. And I don't just mean in an office keeping records, they were all involved in the actual production and harvesting of the product. And then underneath this um, really nice storage building area were all these sweet potatoes piled on the ground. And afterward, I had a student say, well, was that safe? Meaning food safety. Um, it, were those sweet potatoes, how are they protected from rotting? And, and I said, I don't know, but that's a great question because it made them think in the United States, a lot of times we have governmental agencies that regulate that packaging and regulate those things, even with small farmers who are taking their products to farmer's markets. So how did that look different in another country? How did that other country handle that? And was that as important? Maybe it wasn't as important because it's lower down on the priority list. The priority is just to get the people fed. So, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So to, you know, moving forward, like what were some of the challenges that you faced in developing and running this type of study abroad program and how did you under overcome them? 
Uh, that's another great question. So anything we do usually ends up with some kind of challenge, right? So for us in this in this program, honestly, the the challenge the first time we did it was that our department had never been involved in an international study abroad program with our undergraduate students. So I think we had to actually sell the idea of hey, you really need to do this study abroad with us. And what we found some of the challenges were is we had students that thought, oh, I don't know about traveling internationally. That's outside of my comfort zone. Or even more so, their parents were concerned about them leaving the United States. There's, there's a lot of uh, safety, personal safety in a comfort zone with being right here in the United States. And so we really had to sell the safety of our students to both the parents of those students as well as the students themselves. But once we did that and we had a few that ventured out and we were able to go to Belize for that first time in 2015 and we were able to have students that had this wonderful experience and then they came home, it made it a little easier to sell it for our 2017 program. But we still have had some challenges. Uh, obviously it's more expensive to do a study abroad program than it is to take a traditional on-campus three credit hour class. So there is a fee associated with that, but you know, Toucan Education Programs actually provided us with some great resources for fundraising, some great resources for being able to help students fund their study abroad. And so definitely that partnership between TEP and also our University of Florida resources were very helpful in, in some of that challenge. But also being able to share with the students, hey, we have somebody who is from Belize, who's in the country, who knows the people, there's no reason to be nervous about this. Every, you know, we, we are being looked after and taken care of. Yeah, I know there are definitely always some nervousness and, you know, um, questions, especially from parents of undergrads, you know, especially if it's their first time um, traveling without their parents as well. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of scary things about leaving the United States. Um, you know, how, at, and, and some of these students didn't even have a passport before they signed up for this program. So getting them passports, working them through, hey, what health care do I need to do to take care of myself? Do I need to get shots? Do I need to have immunizations? Or do I need to take medicine with me? What do I expect? And so those are just little challenges that we've always been able to work through just in communicating between TEP and ourselves. Yeah, definitely. Um, so looking back on your time in Belize, uh, what kind of impact do you believe the program that you ran here had on you, your students, and the Belizean community? Well, you know, this is such a loaded question because there was such a variety of impacts for all of the students as well as ourselves, as well as the Belizean community. And it's really hard for me to answer, I guess, how the impact on the Belizean community because our particular program did not have a huge service learning component. Um, however, I think probably one of the things that our students, especially on the second trip, enjoyed the most was we actually went to Central, uh, Central Farm and the University of Belize and our students got to spend a whole morning working alongside the students that were there at the um, University of Belize. And, wow, that was such a great opportunity for them. And they still remember the people. So probably the biggest impact was the 
the people connection, being able to personally connect with another student that's their same age, that's studying something similar, but yet in a completely different way, and then being able to stay in touch. So I know some of our students actually were able to connect on Facebook and other social media tools with some of those students that they met in Belize, and they still had conversations just out of curiosity. So what are you studying now? What job are you working at? And so that people connection was probably the biggest impact. Um, even with some of the farmers that we met with, there were certain growers and producers and farmers that our students really remembered that passion and they remembered how they shared their excitement for what they do every day. That's awesome. And I love hearing that that connection is maintained because, you know, when one of the things when we run our programs, that's one of our, our biggest, you know, feeling of accomplishment, I guess you can say, is when that connection between the, the participants and the Belizean people who they worked with continues outside of the program itself, you know, and they keep that connection. I think that's really great to hear. Absolutely, absolutely. It was definitely very impactful for quite, of our students, quite a few of our students. That's awesome. So to wrap up, if a faculty member is interested in adding an international component to their course, and of course, you know, I know the process is different depending on the university, but what advice would you give them in order to get started? Well, that was definitely an interesting process for us. Unfortunately, the first time that we went through this process and, and prepared a program for 2015, I did have a faculty member colleague that I was working with who had been to Belize, which helped a little bit, who already had an established relationship with Rondine and TEP, but we still had a whole process to go through here on the University of Florida end of things, including budget. So I would say that if you're gonna add an international component course or component to your course, it's really important to think about what is your objective? What are your learning objectives? What do you want students to get out of that international component? Because I teach the same course on campus, but we use that same course title and made it a study abroad program. And so we kept the general communication concepts and the objectives the same, but we just added an extra objective of being able to look at those issues from an international perspective. So it's important that you kind of review your course objectives and figure out how you're going to fit that into it and how you're going to adjust it to make that international component relevant to what the students are learning. So the other thing is being able to learn what the process is at your university of getting a study abroad program approved. We're very fortunate here at the University of Florida to have an international center that runs all of our study abroad programs. So fortunately, they're used to setting these kind of things up. So they kind of gave us a template, but we still had a lot of things to do. We had to pr provide or prove that our provider had third party insurance, liability insurance. We had to fill out all the paperwork. We had to make sure that we agreed on a budget and a break even for the number of students that we had coming on our trip. We had to market it. It actually, marketing was kind of interesting, marketing and promoting the program and actually getting students interested in what you have to offer. So that goes kind of back to your course objectives. If it's interesting to students to learn that, then it makes it an easier sell as well. Um, so 
that would be the major advice that I would have is if your university has a UF or, or I'm sorry, not a UF international center, but some kind of international center, definitely make contact with them. You'll also want to get approval from your department chair and the other people that you are working with, but you definitely want that buy-in from your students. And so you want to really promote the importance of that international perspective it was nice because the faculty member that I was working with here at the university had been to Belize, not as a part of a study abroad, but he had a lot of photographs that he could share and a lot of background information that made Belize a very interesting place that students wanted to go see. Um, and then, so I just, I, you know, it was a great program. And so definitely that, that would be, what I would that would be my best advice as, as far as how to get started. That is some definitely some excellent advice, Dr. Ellison. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being on um, our podcast today. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Um, and we look forward to seeing you in Belize again, hopefully sometime soon. And <laughs> definitely. Um, and to you, our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you join us for our next episode very soon.